Underlie and drive too much truth We want in, truth is we out In those that walk by so loud Eyeline turn, tighten a cow Shallow, ne'er thought about How the end has been coming down We want in, but fucking why we out Yo, that's our side Natural splendor, it's right outside Out here, we get it live Out, yeah, that's my side Welcome to the Truth to Power Podcast This episode is called Weapons of Mass Distraction, and we're going to get into the topic of climate change and the control of our perception of it. Hope you enjoy the show. Okay, let's go. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We are here. We are back. It is your boy, Ace Cannon, along with... Curious G. Yeah. This is truth of power. We here, man. Let me put my fucking shit on silent, because otherwise, I I almost forgot to put it on silent, Mm. dude. I almost almost forgot. All right. Mm. Remember what we're talking about? Well, in comparison to last week? (laughs) Um, It's a continuation of, in a sense. Have you thought about it? AI? No, no, god damn, you forgot. It was the climate change, Oh, dude. yeah, yeah, yeah. AI I was... Forgot. I forgot, man. They're just... My life is all mixed up. I, ironically, I do actually want to get a little bit back into AI. So, you know, I th- this is this is a unique thing because I'd never really send you lyrics of the songs, right? Not really. But I did this time. Yeah. Why do you think that was? Because you want me to recite it. No, hell no. <laughs> um... I don't know. This was kind of a big concept, you know what I mean? Like in 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 a sense, I was talking about the in crowd. Okay. Right. Um, and if you think about like the one percent, they kind of set the tone for the in crowd. They probably create what the trends are, you know, and and the things that we all desire, you know. Um, and and in the song, I frame you know the the question of why do we want in? Why do we want to be a part of the in crowd? We out obviously. We're we're not wealthy. We're poor, right? Compared to the one percent. Yeah. Right. Even even some very wealthy people are are poor. Are poor. Are poor. Yeah. yeah compared yeah. to the one percent. And and if the one percent are driving this destructive climate issue that we have. And we're kind of hamsters in the wheel just buying all this stuff, but we're trying to be on the in crowd and keep up with the latest trends and have the cool stuff that fucking Brad Pitt has or whatever. I don't know, dude. (laughs) You know what I mean? And my question is, is why do we want to be in? We out. So in the song, like we're part of the outside. We're part of the people that's on the outside of the in crowd, you know, but this song is kind of about global warming. Right. And in the song, I bring attention to it's important to connect to the outside world. And in the third verse, I do kind of mention um, the robots that are coming. Right. Um, And the metaverse and all this and that, because I feel like that's just a way to get farther into technology. Um, But particularly in the third verse of this song, I talk about the alien movie. Remember the alien movie? Mm hmm. What what is your opinion of that movie? What what do you remember of that movie? Um, well, obviously the thing that came out of the chest, the alien in the chest, mm, classic. Everybody remembers that shit. Yes, classic. Um, exoskeletons. I remember, which I've always found unique. 
Um, I was pretty young when it came out and I, I didn't watch it later on in life. I watched it. I mean, I, I mean, I wasn't born. I don't even think when it first came no, out. No, now it came but, out like 79, I think. Yeah, I was like, but I watched it before the age of 10. I know that for sure. I just don't remember if it was like eight or nine. So I don't really remember the movie all that well. Um, but I just remember a few things. Mm. Why? What were you getting at that detective? <laughs> well, so in, in, my, uh, in my song, I tried to frame the alien movie in the third verse. And, and I make some connections. Um, it says, uh, and basically I'm talking about going further in the technology. In fact, maybe I should talk about the movie before I get into my song. So the alien movie, right? Um, you've got a group of people. Let's say that they're humanity, the people that's alive on this ship. They're completely locked inside the technology that exists. Mm-hmm. And they're completely separated from nature. There's no chance for them to be able to grow their own food, right, or do any of this stuff. They're within the ship. And and there's this constant presence of the ship. If you watch the movie, Ridley Scott did something. He used a lot of silence, which a lot of films fill up every second of, of, the, of the film with sound. But he purposefully has a lot of silence in there. But even when there's silence, like you hear the sounds of the ship and things like that. And that kind of builds some suspense. And people wonder why they're, you know, get this suspenseful, fearful feeling, even though um, for a lot of the film, nothing happens. Yeah. You know, it really is this silence. Um, but there's this ever-present feeling of the ship and the technology that exists that around, surrounds them. And the ship, which is Mother... Right. Let's say she became instead of Mother Nature, right? Mother Technology. Right. Mm. Now, uh, the alien. If you if you follow the whole franchise, the actual creature is is a weapon of mass destruction that was created by the the science of the day. Right. This is the technology. It's the genie that gets out of the bottle. And here, humanity is wrapped up in all of this technology with no connection to nature right? Can't grow food, none of that, with this weapon of mass destruction that's loose and slowly one by one, humanity is disappearing. So this has been a metaphor and and Ridley Scott takes this kind of stuff. Um, Survival is usually one of his big themes in a lot of his films. And a lot of his films like uh, Blade Runner and stuff like that, they see a future that has environmental catastrophe. Mm -hmm. So this was a metaphor for environmentalism type stuff back in the 70s, you know, where it was not on most people's radar, Right, and he did the same thing with the Blade Runner movies. But if you look at if you look at the Alien movie, right, there's this presence of the robotic, emotionless, task-driven forces of Ash and Mother. Right, they create the sense that Ripley and the remaining crew members are actively working against the will of the corporation, which the corporation is the one that kind of runs Mother. Yeah. Right, and so not only are they they fighting this alien, but there's an underlying objective that Mother has and that Ash has that they're not aware of. And every time they seem to outsmart the alien, the corporation, you know, wants their toy. Right, it undermines what they're doing. Um, the, the viewer is is kind of forced to wonder if the ship is actually working against them too, and it it, it turns out to be in the end. Um, but this may not be even the question at all. As quickly as it suggested that the ship is one of those, you know, many things that they have to fight, um, it, it's the idea that the crew is surrounded by technology that is supposed to serve humanity, 
right? These things are supposed to make everything more convenient, easier, our lives better. Um, in the future of that of that film, you know, here they are doing space travel, going from fucking long distances, mm-hmm. and as if it's nothing. The ship itself, it's like they're kind of a haphazard group of people. The 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 ship is kind of worn down. So it's one of those things that, like, it for humanity, it's no big deal. Yeah. You know, for us, it's like, whoa, you know, but for them, it's nothing. You know, they're numb to it. Um, the, the, the crew, they're fully dependent on technology for all of their needs, food, shelter, water, air, information, right? Without hope of producing food, right? So they're part of the in crowd because they're in with the corporation. They got the good job, right? They've made it. <laughs> yeah, right. So in my song, right, like this is some of the lyrics. Um, in, go on, I got your back. Robot Jack, here comes that crack. Like Ripley, get in, and that alien movie got locked in raw like sushi. Buffet of friends wrapped up in steel. Nature lost to that cold wall feel. Bombs of war storm right in. Inside trapped like winter skin. Y'all forget outside, metaverses lie, unless the tag reads ride or die. We'll play seek, y'all gets to hide. When we say go, y'all come outside. You know, because the idea that I'm trying to get across is, oh, you guys feel pretty comfortable because you can control your environment. But when the planet is fucking dying, (laughs) you got to come outside. You got to be a part because we're all connected. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So this is some of the ideas that I got in the song. And it, it, it's a complicated idea. Um, I try to connect to the movie because I think that the movie is propaganda, but it's a positive kind of message for propaganda. Not all propaganda is, but it, it's beautiful in, in, in the art of the film. So that's my two cents. I've been talking for a long goddamn time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> <clears throat> Do you want me to throw, throw I, yeah respond? Give me some thoughts. Give me give me a right. stream of consciousness, man. Yeah, well, you know the one thing that I've really appreciated about you since meeting you is your you always look for meanings in anything video like, um, mm. you know, which is I think pretty cool. Um, the Forrest Gump one, the first time you turned me, I was like, yeah, man, that actually makes sense. You know, we've talked about it on this podcast, um, and then this movie we've we've spoken about before, but never in depth like this. But, you know, the one thing about when, you know, we were talking about technology and, you know, there comes a point to where it just kind of does everything for you. And I know we've already talked about it, you know, on this podcast, but it's just scary because once you just kind of go to like with the masses, like the creativity and the imagination like slowly drifts away. Mm. Um, Especially when we talk about, you know, this universal income that, you know, maybe I'm sure we have on this. We have. Um, Yeah. yeah, So there's that. And the fact that this metaverse failed. So that just means the next one will be successful. You know, it's like, who knows? I mean, this may have been the trial run. I mean, I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of coincidences on the bigger stage Mm. that just seem really odd, like timing and whatnot and certain things. And, um, but I think that, after a while, technology, I mean, it's already in all of our lives every day, you know, like food, especially, you know, I, I mean, I, I can't, I'm not going out growing my own vegetables. I'm not getting my own chickens. You yeah. know, I need people to do that and the technology to do that to mass farm, 
you know, I'm not all about that life, but you know, it is there to, f- to feed this amount of people, even though it could be 400 million, but <clears throat> yeah, it's just, it's just odd because no matter what technology is kind of ingrained in your life somehow, some way, it just, it's just always is going to be now. It wasn't when I was young. Yeah. Well, me, me either. Well, I think, I think it was. Maybe. I think it was. So when, when I was uh, I, probably seven, eight years old, somewhere late seventies, right? Early eighties, right? That, that time period, um, computers started to show up in everybody's lives where before that computers weren't, but they, they were introduced to my generation in a very specific way. Dun, dun, dun. The first experience that most people my age ran across a computer was in video games. Games. Yeah. Games, arcades. That's where we found them, right? Very friendly things, fun to play with, mm-hmm. entertaining. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is how they get us to trust them. These things that we're carrying around now, we're afraid to be separated from our technology, these cell phones. Mm-hmm. People are afraid to be separated from technology, you know? And by carrying it around and having it in our hands all the time, there is a connection that we're making with it. I am definitely guilty of that. And it, I think all of us are. Yeah. I was resistant to cell phones early on, but you can't get away from it. You're, you're, <laughs> you're going to be part of the system or you're going to be like that dude that's out there in Montana. <laughs> you know what hey, I mean? <laughs> You'd be good at math though. So. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. I'm just maybe joking. Not. There's a lot jokes, of things to do in Montana. Yeah. You know, there's 13 states that still allow bestiality. <laughs> I'm just mm. saying. And they might not have too many cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Cletus aside, um, I think that we are in a place, and I want to ask you if this is, if, if this is true. Do we experience weaponized information? Yeah, for mm. sure. I think so. I mean, you got to think about any anytime anytime there's anything that goes on it's like mass disapproval seems to happen mm. like i'm always hearing the counter to everything now and i've never when i was growing up i don't i mean unless you watched you know two news channels or however you want cnn wasn't even like it was now um it was actually felt like good news when i was a kid but i don't who knows i was a kid um <clears throat> but but I do know that, you know, no matter, no matter, oh, sorry about that. My bad. Um, <clears throat> I think that no matter what though, you know, at the end of the day, like we really talk about, like there's no going back. And I think that's what's so weird is because it's going to be harder as like larger amount of people control or smaller amount of people controls the larger amount of people. It's just, there's no unless you want to get the things that you need, it's like, you kind of have no choice, you know? Cause we talk about the food thing coming up and then the electric car thing coming up and then the soul registry coming up. So it's just like technology is just so ingrained in everything that I don't, it's like, I don't, I don't think there's ever going back now. And see, I don't know if, if technology is the bad thing because I tell you in, in so many ways, my life is more convenient, easier to do. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of things that has is, is improved my personal life through technology. What what actually makes me nervous is is not necessarily um, the technology in the hands of humanity. It's in the one percent 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like let, let's make no mistake. Uh, these are people that have access to funds that we can't even imagine. Mm-mm. Like you could go out and buy one of those $97 million apartment penthouse, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> places to stay while you're in New York. $97 million is what it's selling for right now. That's, that's, that's pretty spendy. Yeah. For, for an apartment, dude, that, for an apartment that you're using uh, just to write off assets. Possibly, I mean, it, does the apartment blow you when you walk in the door? I mean, no, for 97 million, dude, bro, it's for use. I mean, but I, I always say this, I go, you just don't understand. You don't understand. Fuck you money. I don't understand it either. I call it monopoly money, but when you just have excess amounts, like, that 90, you say, I mean, that could be $9,000 to somebody. Right. You know? And that's like, that's what's not good. But you just, when you think about people are like, oh, groceries are up, you know, 10%. There's some people that doesn't affect at all, you know? And that's even on the slow level of that. But I think that it's just a world that's hard to imagine. So it's almost impossible to think about the possibilities of ever having it. Cause you're like you, $90 million, just $97 million for a uh, luxury condo. Right. (laughs) And, And what I found when I was looking at some things right over this last week is this is one of the apartments that sold $97 million for a luxury condo in New York. Right. And what I'm thinking about is, is how we're building these luxury condos. And this is what we're, this is what we're doing in the world of construction these days. We're, we're building and building and building, not the infrastructure, not, not schools and hospitals and bridges, <laughs> right? That, that shit's crumbling down around us, yeah. right? And in this, in this neighborhood that I live in, like what, they're building some stuff up, you know, but where are they building it? Right? Like this, this, this city here is, I would say one of the pricier areas, yeah. you know, it's, it's usually there's some wealth in our area. Right. But this particular area in the center of the, of the city was kind of the low end of things for a while. Oh, and it's coming. It's, it's, it's coming. The change is here. Dude, baby. I, I finally got it. Like it mm. hit me this week. So we've, we've had a lot of construction in our area and it was kind of funny because at first I didn't know exactly what that, like it was visually going to look like, but now I just think about it. Oh, they're putting the middle trees in there because this is all going to become a plaza way. Oh yeah. Eventually. Like it's, I, it just hit me. I was like, oh, and that's why they're moving the, the this is the city center. Yes. This right is, here. We're slap ass well, in the middle. And now they're slowly. Yep, exactly. Slap ass. And right where the transportation is at. Oh yeah. Right where this is, and it just hit me this week. I was like, oh my gosh, they're gentrifying the whole area. Yeah. Holy moly. And it's definitely happening. And I just, mm. it took me a second, but it, it clicked this weekend. Mm. Ugh. The man always out to get you. But see, here's the thing, you know, the, the level of money that the 1%, it's not even the 1% really, it's the 0.01%, right? So the, the 1% of 1% the 1%. 1% of the 1%, those yeah. 85 people in Family, the world yeah. that have more wealth than yeah, half of half the planet, yeah. right? So here's here's one of those corporations, ExxonMobil, at one point was bringing in one Billion, billion dollars a day. Hmm. One billion dollars a day. Billion. This is power that could create conversations from any 
and all sources, the phones we have in our hands, the news mm-hmm. stations we watch, right? Any messages that exist in our peripheral, right? Concerning environmental concepts such as climate change being a myth may very well originate from sources such as ExxonMobil. When you're making a billion dollars a day, right? What, so, so my question is, is why is it we don't question what we believe and, and the source of the information. Like I, I thought the overpopulation thing was real, mm-hmm. but there's, there's got to be a lot of things surrounding climate change stuff. I don't think people question it a lot. Yeah. Well, they don't question it for sure. There's, um, it just doesn't, it's more about that team mentality that we were talking about though. It's, you know, not even necessarily doing your own research. You could have the facts right in front of you, but if your team or your tribe is not, you know, for that one, I have a lot of a time people don't necessarily say as much as they used to. Mm. It feels like all the rhetoric online and then all the rhetoric. And again, that's just my bubble because I created it obviously with algorithms and everything, but it just seems to me that there's always just like, just always a negative, like kind of with it. So I don't. And this is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it just the it's, reaction that people just, have had to that last episode, dude. The, just a few people I've talked to about it. People are a little emotional about this stuff, dude. Hmm. So, um, like other episodes, not so much. But fucking, you, we struck a little nerve with the climate change thing. This is this is on on people's minds, but under the surface. And I think it goes back to the idea of there's some idea of death, the planet's death, our death society's death, grandchildren's death, right? There's, there's a place in denial. We kind of want to sit. Oh yeah. Because then it's, we don't, it's like procrastination Mm. in a sense. Like, Oh, we'll just put it off till tomorrow. We'll just put it off till tomorrow until that tomorrow finally comes. Oh yeah. And then, and it does, like we said, this country, nothing's a problem till it's a problem. Like mm -hmm, here in the United mm -hmm. States, we're one of the, we're one of the countries that has the least effect from climate change, we're one of five. Yeah, that's that, so wild to me. That deals with less effect. I mean, you go over to Sudan, those fuckers are in it. I mean, look at look at Syria <laughs> over the last 10 years. Why do you think all these people are moving? You're talking about millions. Yeah. Millions. Huh. Tens of millions of people displaced. Yeah, I, I really want to know why it is that we're just like not affected by it as much. We're just in that sweet spot. Yeah, for sure. We're in that sweet I've spot. I've said that thing about war with America, the fact that there's two oceans, mm-hmm. like between it, it's just, it's a good natural boundary, you know, to have for yourself. So, I mean, that must be the same thing with America. I mean, here in the United States, we're good. UK, that area, like so Ireland like and the, shit. Yeah. Like the there, there's certain, there's certain areas that's pretty good. It's pretty good. So wild. But, but here's the thing about denial. And this is what I'd like to say. Skepticism is a process. I'm skeptical about climate change, and I'm going to go through the process of investigation and looking at and thinking about, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Denial is a position, not a process. No. It's like you just made, this is where you are. You just made up your mind, and this is what it is, and that's it. But so if you got something like ExxonMobil, right, that is making a billion dollars a day and can 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 weaponize information, <laughs> right, to their benefit. Because if they're if they're making all this money off of, you know, oil and they're fucking up the planet at the same time, they're gonna want to control the conversation so we don't catch the fuck on. 
but but has has it become a state of deception in our perception? Mm. Has it become a state of deception within our perception? It would have to be, right? I would think so. Because, I mean, it's for the benefit of that company. So they're going to only put out what, you know, we want them to hear or what they want us to hear one. But if that's a constantly what we're being fed, like just like a lie, just like a truth, if you keep telling yourself it long enough, you know, you're going to believe it. And <clears throat> when you're talking about the financial aspect of it, it always, it always baffles me when you're saying how much they were making and then their fines are just so small. Oh yeah. Like that's the one thing that always gets me in this whole thing. It's, and, and not just, you know, Exxon, but like there's Wells Fargo, for instance, that was just basically starting bank accounts for people like without any consent whatsoever. And then because they were opening bank accounts, they were getting, you know, tax benefits and all these things like that. Same thing, slap on the wrist. It's like you're a billion dollar company and getting fined hundreds of millions of dollars. And the more wrong it goes, the better they do. Since the housing market crash, right? We as Americans bailed out the banks. Did you know that here in the United States, and this is a real fucking number. My favorite. Household currency that has existed within the households of America has had a loss, a net loss of $13 trillion. Hmm? $13 trillion since the wow. housing market crash. $13 trillion has disappeared out of the... I mean, dude, we are in a place that everything is collapsing. Yeah, for sure. That's crazy. $13 trillion? $13 trillion. And guess what, man? It didn't disappear. No, dude. Before the housing market crashed, <laughs> the most common household, when you looked at the census, was mom, dad, kids, right? Since... The housing market crash, it's multi-generational households. Dude. You've got the the kids living with the parents, living with the grandparents or the aunts and the young. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's multi and that's the most common household now. That's so wild. We've we've accepted less. We've worked just as hard. And paying more money for it. Uh-huh. Well, you know this because you're a money guy. Debt is slavery it no 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 <laughs> debt is basically it creates money oh well 100 percent. yeah 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 absolutely when, when when you've got debt owed to you you're able to flip that absolutely flip that you yep. know one billion dollars can easily become nine billion dollars oh, easily 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 and and this is this is kind of where we're kind of being enslaved and when that housing market crashed and we bailed them out um, since then, like with this coronavirus, all of a sudden this money got pumped into our hands. Yeah. How much is that going to cost us? I mean, probably more than was given. Oh, fuck yeah. Dude, that <laughs> one, $1.4 billion given to the Catholic church for COVID relief fund. We're going to be paying interest on that because that money, right? The, the, yeah. the federal reserve gives the United States, oh, here's some, some cash. You give us your bonds. Right, that's the exchange. Yeah, but we have to pay interest on, on that, that. On that, right? So that one point four billion dollars oh, that we gave the Catholic Church that doesn't pay a fucking cent in taxes, by the way, 
right? We give them COVID relief fund. Did they help out any hungry people? <clears throat> nope. No, they took care of their court cases from the pedophiles, none of which went to jail. Yeah, that's very beneficial <laughs> to America. But, you know, to, to get back to the the global warming, you know, it, thing here and, and not to get derailed by just the, the extreme <laughs> wealth, here, here's a question now that we're talking a little bit of religion, right? Is virtue more valuable than wealth? Well, some would say yes. Hmm. Um, depends where you I mean, <laughs> depends what you think is going to happen afterwards. Nothing happens afterwards. Give me all the gold. Hmm. If I know that there's going to be something after this, let me give all the gold away. Hmm. You know, I think that when you've got somebody that, that has good wealth, right. And, and they have virtue, they can do a lot of good things. Absolutely. And there are people, but you know, <clears throat> I'm just a really be firm believer in, you know, like crazy's crazy, good is good, you know, happy's happy. Mm. Like, so to me, I always just like, yeah, man, it could definitely happen. But on the flip side, it could be the other way, you know? So just like you could do a lot with that or you could hurt a lot of people with that, but it just depends on who the person was and the situations they've gone through. And, you know, I could see someone who is really big in te technology, all of a sudden comes a large amount of money and then they're all about like helping, you know, schools, you know, um, like, how do you want to say? Like, um, like not as, I don't even know the right word I'm trying to say, like underfunded schools, you know, or something like that would be the best way to say it. But it could, I mean, there always, there always is hope. You know, some of the stuff that's going on in our schools now, um, I think that there is sometimes a political indoctrination masquerading, masquerading as school curricula. <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, some of the stuff that, that's surrounding the concepts of science today, right? Like, <laughs> they actually are saying to, to some of these students to be skeptical of scientific data. You know, like, like you can't always trust that shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're saying, and this is the actual words. Um, uh, it can it can signal discord between cultural values and technical assertions, right? That that the the scientific process can be insensitive and arrogant. Ay ay ay! Right. So there's about to be here in the state of Washington, 1.5 million for the development of climate solutions and climate justice curriculum. There's also another 200,000 to hire climate science curriculum staff to integrate climate change content into the Washington state learning standards and 600,000 to develop open access climate science education curriculum for use in teacher preparation programs. Um, those programs are some of the places that I got that, the wording of that, right? That, and I'll say it again, that the scientific process can be insensitive and arrogant. So are we actually going to teach people not to trust science when it comes to climate change in our schools? I mean, I mean is this, that's what, that's is this insane, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think this, the one thing that if we, if, you know, our central kind of thesis of the division of people, right? It's kind of like one thing that I would say you and I agree on that the division of people is something that this 1% or this higher power is trying to disrupt. Would that be fair? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's the same thing about, it's like everything now 
is questioned, right? And it's not necessarily a good thing because if everything is questioned, then like almost nothing can be fact. Mm. And it's, and I kind of feel like that's happening. You know, everything is just questioned constantly, constantly, constantly. And because the news cycle goes so quickly, a lot of the times things aren't resolved, you know, so it just kind of happens. And then we kind of just let it be a like happenstance and it's just kind of there. We all know it's there, but uh, we got something else coming up. So we're just going to, we're going to put that away for a little bit. And then we talk about, you know, freedoms getting taken away. It's one of those things that gets taken away in a, a little bit. And then you just realize like, oh shit, you know, we, we used to be able to kind of go against science and now everything is just, we'll question it, but I don't know what's real, you know? Um, and then it just confuses people. That was a long-winded answer, but... Well, false belief generally can arise through the same mechanisms that establish accurate beliefs. For sure. Right? Like our news. Mm -hmm. You can get some false beliefs and some accurate stuff in there. So, like, what you're saying is you start to distrust everything, mm -hmm. right? And I think this is kind of where people are with things, which is why we, like, take that stance of denial, you know? And and I think that that's... It's a, <laughs> I think it's part of the architecture of society, and that's, and that's the way that the 1% have, have designed it. You know, if you can get the, the, this rejection of science, right, um, it's not just mere ignorance. Because, yeah, we don't necessarily know what some of these scientists know, right? But there is enough scientists that have been talking about climate change for a while now. And it's like we're not really paying that much attention, Right. Um, it's, it's being driven by conspiracies and fears and the social identity that we align ourselves with in our brands. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, I'm a Republican and the Republican party isn't really <laughs> connected to these environmental issues. In fact, the Trump's administration accelerated a lot yeah, of our maybe. problems. Right. But it is reasoning driven more by personal or moral values than objective evidence. That's absolutely what it is. And from the top all the way down to whatever you want to call it, the bottom, you know, there's always a hierarchy and it's, um, <clears throat> I saw this movie, actually I just watched like a movie recap and it was a metaphor, but each level, it was like a prison and food would go down, right? And they would eat as much as they could and they would kind of just keep going down, down, down. And they didn't know how many levels there were, but basically as the level went down, you know, less and less food was there. Mm. And finally, there's a guy there who kind of, you know, realizes what's going on. And he's like, we don't need to eat as much, you know, to help the masses. And I feel like we live in a society that, you know, we don't necessarily, especially this one, like there's never enough is never enough, you know? And it's just, and like you're talking about, like eventually, like if all your customers die, <laughs> then who are you going to sell to? You know, it's at what cost and, you know, technology does help in those ways, but it's also like you say, it's easier to de deceive people, like to deceive people Yeah, and it's just easier to do. And, you know, if you, if you keep seeing it on the news, like you say, you watch it long enough, you're still taught, like when you're young, like you should believe the news. You should trust all police officers. You should trust the firemen, you know, you trust your priest, you know, your preacher, <laughs> your priest. You know, I, I, I absorbed so much information this week that it, it's almost like a cloud in my head. 
there's so many angles to look at this. And I wish I had had accurate information with what I'm about to say, but you just made me think of this. One of the things I saw was there was a police department that was kind of resisting some of the, the changes that's being pushed by corporations, right? And it was because they were unionized, right? Okay. Private organization just bought up the fucking police department, fired everybody, <laughs> and installed their own fucking cops. Ay, ay, ay. That's everything, crazy. everything's for sale. That's crazy. You know what, what country, everything wasn't for sale? Fucking Norway. Norway has been one of the places that they've tried to work their way into the political system of the government. And for whatever reason, these people have held on to their virtues. They've said no, no, no. And they have one of the highest standards of living in the world, in the world. You know, and for whatever reason, there isn't this love of self and me that has been that corrosion from within. Mm. You know, they've been able to hold on to a lot of this stuff. I was actually looking a lot at Canada this week. You know, there is a study in one of these towns and it was a small town that became like an oil place, you know, and guess who buys most of their oil here in the United States? Mm. We're, we're actually buying more from them than from Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. you know, but you see what happened to the town, you know, a 30% increase of people with cancer all around the fucking town. And, and it, it's just this destruction of the environment that's happening, you know, but we just look the other way. And, and why do we look the other way? Not because we really don't care about the people. But who is getting us to look the other way? And this is my point about ExxonMobil. When they're making a billion dollars a day, they can, they can frame things. They can frame our minds. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes with distractions. Sometimes it's just with distractions. Oh, I, I think about that all the time. This is how distracted we are, right? Ukraine and everything that's going on over there. Do you know how close we are to nuclear war at this time? Doesn't seem like it. Doesn't seem like it. Doesn't I think most seem people, like it. Uh, you know, the, the experts say that this is as close as we've been since the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's pretty crazy. And and that was only for what two weeks or mm-hmm. something like this has been the sustained thing, and nobody's talking about it. Yeah, it's quite. The only thing I hear is Biden's giving away more of our money. That's all you hear in the news right now. I listened to a podcast that was um, Russell Brand and Nam Chomsky. Right. Um, you know, Nam Chomsky is, remember me talking about, he was a professor from MIT. He's about 90 years old. Yeah. He's, now. he's, um, he's did he did a lot of stuff with the government. You, well, he, he was, he was, he was, he was a guy that was, uh, in the economist. No, no, no. He, he was a professor at MIT. He wrote, um, a book that was all about linguistics. And he also wrote the book that was about um, manufactured consent and how the media controls our, our view and stuff like that. He was the guy that came up with the idea of five filters, right? But his big thing was linguistics, right? He looks at language. Um, and he said that he, during this conversation with Russell Brand, he said that we could be living in, in a totalitarian, totalitarian society that is more controlling than any in the history of the world here in the United States at this time right now, more so than the, the Russia of the 1980s. You know, and I was listening to him say that, and I'm like, could we really be? Could we really be that under control? You know, could we? 
My nose is, if you want to get anywhere, they know where you are. Mm. Well, I'm talking about like an actual <coughs> manipulation of information. Well, okay. So I, I'm a, this is, oh, we're going right on my, so I believe mm. this Mandela effect. Okay. Do you know what the Mandela effect is? Tell me, man. Okay. So there's certain things that have happened in history that people could have sworn have happened that later on the news says it hasn't happened. The one of them is Nelson Mandela dying. A lot of people remember where they were when he died. All right. Now, another one that, are, that it's like the Bernstein Bears is actually like the Bernstein Bears, but I don't remember ever learning it that way. Okay. Um, same thing with like Looney Tunes. There's certain things that were like different when I was growing up. <clears throat> another one was Publisher's Clearinghouse. I don't know if you remember Publisher's Clearinghouse, but they used to bring a check to somebody. And I remember Ed McMahon being like the dude. And then all of a sudden, like, you can't find him anywhere, you know? Um, so I find a feel like this. If you can control the internet, this is conspiracy time. Dun, dun, dun. So if you can control the internet and you can control what is, you know, posted on there and we just see it like as quickly as your video can be taken down from like YouTube for not abiding by their rules. All right. Now, if you control that and you're constantly t like taking away information, it makes people start questioning themselves more. So I honestly believe in like 1984 happens way more than, you know, we want to talk about sometimes, but the ministry of truth, mm. you know, I feel like that shit's happening, man, where they just slowly taking things off the internet. And then after a while, you don't see it for a while. You start questioning yourself and you just say, oh man, I'm just getting old. My memory isn't as good as it used to be. You know, even though you're like, no, I, I know that I saw this. I know this, I know this. And it just kind of happens. And I kind of, I think about that all the time, man. I swear the internet's getting scrubbed. <laughs> and that's just my, that's my, my conspiracy theory for the week. You know, and that might be a, a really good way to, to, to frame that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's just something I've thought about a while. Like first time I heard that, I was like, man, that's what the Mandela effect is. We ain't forgetting. They just manipulating what we remember. And, and there's actually a term for that. I wish I could remember like, the actual term for that, but there is an actual term for how your memory of what has the, the past information, it just eludes you, man. I just much like the words eluding you right now. Okay. I, I, <laughs> oh, he's back. Yo, not only can be belief in misinformation lead to poor judgments and decision-making, it also exerts a lingering influence on people's reasoning after it has been corrected. So you can get the real information, but you're still living in the effect of it. An effect is known as the continued influence effect. Continued influence effect. Yeah. That's what it's called. Continued. Okay, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. We, we just found the truth. <laughs> there we go. We back, y'all. Look at me now, ma. But, you know, like, I think that if the 1% actually are, are creating our views, are they creating our reality? I mean, I gotta say, yes. Mm. Unfortunately. Mm. This is the only reality I know is the reality they constructed. I feel like those people in the alien movie, like the, the aliens out there, right? That weapon of mass destruction that's ready to just feed on us any second. Yeah. And that's that's the environmental crisis that's going on. But at the same time, we're surrounded by this technology that's just got complete control of us. Yeah, man. I got to go download this new game uh, anyway. But, but yet yeah, Ripley wins. She survives. 
<clears throat> humans, dude. Humans. They always triumph. That's what they want you to believe. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story, right? That's the story, and I'm sticking to oh, it. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know, and I don't, I don't really know what this has to do with the fucking thing, but technology's getting pretty scary, dude. Um, if it does get too hot out there, maybe we could put on some fake skin. Scientists at the Bow Research Group at Stanford University have created a new electronic skin that can mimic the sense of touch. Mm. The e-skin, as some refer to it, is detailed in a new study featuring in uh, the Journal of Science. The skin is intriguing because it not only is soft and stretchable, just like real fucking skin, but it can also generate nerve-like impulses that communicate directly with the brain. It's that Ready Player One, boy. Well, well they, were, they were trying to help out people that need the prosthetic legs and all mm-hmm. this and that. But, dude, I mean, th- this may this may lead to touch in, in the virtual reality, yeah. right? Um, hopefully. <laughs> Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek. Here, I'll baby. let you, boy. I'll let you, but, boy. But future research and development <laughs> brings some widespread availability, maybe, to this technology. You know what I mean? And it'll just be easier when, when it's bad outside to, to plug in. Just it's, stay inside. It's bad outside, but it's good in here. Stay inside, get your checks. Yeah. Just get your checks. And get fondled head to toe. Oh, dude, they're just going to wait for us to die, dude. Mm. And then, <laughs> Sounds great. Let the robots run everything and fuck, dude. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, I, I got a joke for you. Oh, tell me what's up. Hey, it's about, it's about robots. You ready? What did the robot do after sex? <laughs> what? Nuts and bolts. Oh, that sucks. Dude, you can't be bringing bad jokes. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the motherfucker that brings There's the bad jokes. There's one person out there that chuckled. I, I, I bring the bad jokes. We all know the bad jokes are coming. <laughs> all right. I'll work on my game a little bit. Mm. All right. So here's something. Um, I don't know. You never heard a dude named Wolfgang, Jonathan Wolfgang Van Gotha. You ever heard of that motherfucker? That's a mouthful. Sounds like three different people. Yeah, yeah, that's his name. That's Jonathan Wolfgang von Goethe, right? He said, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe that they are free. Yeah. Mm. That's that's the land of the free and the home of the brave. Mm. You think that you're free? (laughs) That's cute. Well, you know, that's, and, and the reality is, is we're all trying to get on the inside. Absolutely. People, if I had a chance to be in there, I'd be like, well, what do you need? We want in, but what? fucking why? We out. Yo, that's our side. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm out too. We are. We are. <laughs> now nah, we are. And you know what's cool about that song, uh, Outside, is it's really a, a scary motherfucking song in a lot of ways. It's threatening. Hmm. Because it's, it's saying to the in crowd, the 1%, we outnumber y'all motherfuckers. And y'all got to come outside. Because when the shit gets bad and shit's rough, you know, because yeah. it will be, the world will be a violent place. We've, we've talked about that before, you know, nothing scarier than a hungry human. That's thirsty right, dude. Human, thir- you know, thirsty. Like, shit's real, man. <sighs> you know, but there's got to be some good news with all this. And, and. One of the things I do think about now, you go back 100, 150 years ago, maybe almost a little bit over 100 years ago, there was probably 10% of the population that lived as good as we live. 
and probably most of the population was in extreme poverty worldwide, you know? And today that's kind of moved around a lot. There is maybe 10% of the world population that's in extreme, extreme poverty. Hmm. You know what I mean? I thought it would be higher than that for some reason. Well, it, there's, a, there's a lot of people, half the people on the planet live on $2, $2 a, day, a day. Yeah. Right. Okay, is, what, is what they say. But extreme poverty. But I mean, no I mean, water, yeah, dude. Like nothing. Yeah. Like nothing. Nothing. Pretty much. And there's still 90 million children that die a year because of lack of food, clean water and all that stuff, which is, <laughs> that has a lot. But it's a lot of people. But man. The, the quality of life today is so much better than it was a hundred years ago, even for the people that are poor. Yeah. Is what I'm getting at. Like you can take the average poor person here in the United States. They're wealthy anywhere else. They're wealthy in a lot of places. A lot, like 95% of the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, but you know, it is getting worse and worse and worse. If you look around some of these cities, you know, if you look around some of these cities, they start to look a little rough. You know, there's places in Louisiana that has um, 40% of the population that's in hunger. It's so wild. You know, it's so wild. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my question is, is when are we going to start caring about the other person? When it's us? Probably. When it's us. Mm-hmm. When it's us. It's just, yeah. That's when we'll care is when it affects. Because nothing's a problem. Us. Until it's a problem. <laughs> I don't know. This is a sensitive topic, dude. Very much and, so. And you know, I I feel like <coughs> I feel like there is some hope that that people are kind of becoming a little bit more human with everything as bad as things have been. You know, like the conversations that I have with people one on one, people just seem a little bit more human. But what scares me is is the politics that's been circulating these days. Maybe that's what we'll talk about next week. Maybe that's what we'll talk about. Well, we're going to go, we're going to go in a little bit more. We're going to keep it on this topic and this realm, but we've been talking about it big. We're going to get a little bit more personal. Mm. We're going to bring it down to a human level. Yeah. As some say. Human level. We got to get Ripley back home safe. Get her off the fucking Nostradamus or whatever the fuck that ship was. <laughs> I don't remember what the name of it. Dude, that movie was so badass. I Every, might have to watch it again, man. Dude, I think everybody should watch that movie again. You know, that's a fucking, that's a baller movie. Ridley Scott, dude, that was that was his second movie ever. That's so crazy. Second movie ever. That's what awesome. A, what a fucking script that he got a hold of there. Yeah. You know. That's awesome. What a life. Yeah, watch his movies. That was, dude, we had some things. You know, he did some propaganda films that weren't so good. Like you look at Black Hawk Down. Remember Black Hawk Down? Yeah, that was a good movie. It was an excellent movie. I think it got Picture of the Year or some shit like that. Something. Yeah, won some award or something. Won four awards, I think. Mm, he but said four. It also came out a year after 9 11. Mm, said 9 11. <laughs> Get your ass into the service. You know, patriotism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God bless America. No place else. Propaganda, baby. Propaganda. <laughs> Wake up. Get out of the matrix. Bye. <laughs> okay, let's go. Yeah, sure. That sounds sweet. Shall I shake my ass? That sweet talk speech. Never you mind. Go on in and eat. That last plate's got that drop off meat. Builds strong. Grown right up. Drinks so strong it breaks the cup All fork and knife, some won't shut up In crowd get quiet so they don't get stuck
Oh, you all got to come outside. Inside, got you stuck with pride. All you all got to come outside. Sweet tea, strong, but so So do you want to start us off this time or shall I? Uh, let's... How about you start off this time, Sean? Okay. It's like a, hey, Sean, outside. Nah, you start this time. Well, I think I think we're going to talk about this at some point. Um, I kind of thought maybe it would be on the, uh, the lynch mob episode, but I can't wait, okay. dude. This was one of the songs I took to Atlanta. I remember. I remember. Ooh. What do you think about that shit, dude? Oh, man. Um... Do you do you want to discuss Eleventh <laughs> Street Studios? Eleventh yeah, Street Studios. Yeah. I don't think anybody from Eleventh Street Studios is listening, but I think it's an important part of our our thing, dude. I was so fired up to do this song and Lynch Mob and yes. you know uh, the Man, all that stuff. I was down there in Eleventh Street Studios, yeah. standing in the studio where guys like Tupac and Biggie stood and Alicia Keys yeah. and Usher and dude the the accolades and the plaques on the wall and you know, when you walk in, it smells like weed, you know? <laughs> I remember you texting me. You're like, bro, dude, this is an experience. This is so freaking sick. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, dude, this is going to be dope. And you're like, it's so fucking cool. And I think and this then... was the first song I wanted to do in studio because I was so excited for this song. Yep. Um, yep. This this topic was, was huge for me. Um, I think that the song came out great, like musically and all that stuff. But yep. I don't think that this song could ever be as big as it needs to be because it's such a big, big topic. You know, I feel like this and, and Homicidal Frogs is kind of like two sides of the same coin. Absolutely. Which we haven't even released frogs yet, but this uh, this topic is dear to my heart, man. Dude, dis dude, discuss a little bit. I don't know if you and Anthony already talked about it, but discuss some of the uh, the themes for the audience before they actually you know go listen to it or really digest it. Like what what makes it so near and dear to your heart, Sean? You know, if if you think about that first verse, right? Like the way it starts off, they want to ride. Like people love to ride around and, and look at all the beautiful places that the world right. has to offer was kind of the right. idea. But they hate the view. The the view that they hate is what they're what they're doing to this planet. You know what I mean? Like some of those neighborhoods that just aren't quite as attractive. So like I, I was right. trying to get into the idea of there's an in crowd, you know, and, and how all of society is geared to want to be part of them. You know, we, we jump on the trends and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of the idea. But in a lot of ways, we're not part of the in crowd. We're, we're definitely on the outside looking in, you know. Right. And um, in that first verse where it says they want to ride but hate the view, underlying drive is too much truth. Too much truth. We want in, but truth is we out. You know, in knows that walk by so loud. Right, so loud. You know, it's, it's kind of like... You know, they, they look down on us with disdain. Right. Like we're beneath them. And and probably, you know, and we want to fit in with them. Fucking why? <laughs> we out. Yo, that's my side. Right. So this is a little- natural splendor right outside. Out here, we gets it live. Yeah. Bro, the way you hit. Um, so the original, I remember the original take in Atlanta, because you ended up redoing it undercast right i remember that um i i felt like it was good but i remember you were like 
This isn't it. Oh no, was it was like terrible, a, dude. What, whatever engineer was not Randy, not Randy from Undercast, yeah. right? You were I used had, to a certain process. Oh, dude, right? I had latency issues. Like I kept hearing like a delay in my headset. Like I'm trying yeah. to perform and I'm getting distracted by the engineer that's not clearly doing a good job or maybe it, I don't know what the problem was. I really don't. I don't. All I know is I usually go in in one take and do my thing. You know what I mean? Like when I'm with Randy, I'll do a practice take. And while I'm doing the practice take, he'll listen to the approach that I have on the mic. Right. right. And then by the time I get to the end of that practice take, he has already set up all of the effects that he thinks that song needs specifically for the tone that I'm giving it and what he's hearing by the music. Right. And, and by the end of that practice take, we're ready to go. And then we do one more take. You know, um, and undercast doesn't have any latency when you monitor yourself on the headphones. No, no, these guys are professionals, dude. And, and they don't have none of the accolades that 11th street studios in Atlanta had. And dude, I was excited to go there. You know, I was yeah. excited to be a part of all that. And like I said, to stand where some of these iconic people stood and recorded, you know, but what I remember is, is the disappointment I felt when you told me the, what you heard from the quality that we got. And you said they don't match what we're doing. No, yeah. they didn't. I didn't even like, bro, because when you sent me the stems, bro, it wasn't even so much a performance issue, even though I could I could tell there was latency issues because you were kind of off on some parts you're never off on in terms of timing, right? But I remember I brought in the vocals and I was just so used to the way Randy tracks your vocals, dude, that I was like, I could sit here and mix this, but dude, it's going to sound... No, no hate to them or whatever because they have accolades and blah blah blah. But it just didn't sound like it was well recorded. Not on your end. It just didn't sound as, as well tracked. And that's just from my ear. You know what I mean? Like I do this for a living too. So I'm like, who'd you say these guys were again? You know what I mean? No hate yeah. to them, but they would. It, yeah, it just it it, it didn't. It was match. a letdown because we had put so much in time into making these records and you were so excited and I was excited to hear them and mix them. And then you were like, no, dude, we're, we're going to redo these. There's no way. You know and I, mean? and no I got way. an emergency, I got an emergency studio session the day I was back from vacation, right? Like I had yep. that shit the, set like up. The, you, you touched down and you're like, nope, yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. Like I got this. back on a Saturday and then Sunday I, I, I called him from Chicago. You know, I went to Atlanta and then went to Chicago, right? While I was in Chicago yep. was yep. when I found out that, that they didn't do a good job with what they had and i felt like it was all off you know what i mean but bro i you always tell me to be honest with you and then i'm not gonna lie after i heard like the demos i was like okay and then i brought them into ableton to mix and i was like bro i hope this doesn't break sean's heart you know what i mean because i could tell like your your mood when you were in there you're taking pictures it was really cool i think you went with your friend and it was like you were so excited we we're texting all the time you even called me there and you're so excited and then I could tell, dude, like after the session, I'm like, how was it? And you're just like, eh, it was, it was cool. I was like, what, dude, you were so excited. Like, what oh, I was, happened? I was, <laughs> dude, I was, it was, and you know, I, I, I came back with a little bit of an undertone of anger when I recorded yes. this song. Um, oh, this, yeah. this was the first song I got after in studio when I got back. Um, like I said, it was the, it was the next day I got back. I got that emergency session. Cause I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't let go of it until I got in the studio and did this song. That's how passionately I felt about it. Right. And, and I right. think there was some underlying anger 
you know, when I recorded this, um, you know, that, that second verse, um, it really kind of captures a lot of the feeling that's of this song and it's kind of subtle, right? So if you, if you listen to the lyrics, it goes in sure that sounds sweet. Shall I shake my ass? That sweet talk speech. Never you mind. Go on and in and eat. That last plate's got that drop off meat. Build strong, grown right up. Drink so strong it breaks the cup. All fork and knife. Some won't shut up. In crowd gets quiet, so they don't get stuck. Yeah, yeah, dude. And and you know it's it's kind of like you know I'm not gonna be that sweet, nice talking, sweet motherfucker. You know, because there's some shit going down, you know? And, yeah, am I going to talk about 11th Street Studios? you goddamn right. I don't know what it was that it, they couldn't get it right, but it wasn't right. <laughs> Dude, my my favorite part about when we mixed this song, I don't know if you remember, we kind of mixed... There, This song took multiple different layers of mixing. I mixed it originally. We had the big wide dubs with a choir effect. You didn't like them. We backed off of it. But I remember when we were, like, doing drops and cool effects together... Uh, I think it might've been your idea or my idea. I don't remember cause it's been so long, but do you remember freaking, uh, <laughs> putting in the, the clips from the mo- movie alien when you're talking about like, ripe Like Ripley get in into alien movie or whatever. Oh yeah. Like, uh, they, oh, yeah. they mostly come outside at night mostly or whatever. Remember that? Remember that? Oh yeah, whatever? dude. That's some of my favorite like- parts of the song. I think I've, that might've been your idea or my idea. I don't know, but it came out badass, dude. And it's one of those songs like, when I was doing the performance mixes and going back and it was like almost going down like memory lane and I popped on outside. I was like, this is a fucking dope record. Oh dude, there's a lot of things about this. Like the there's way it's so many details spread out. You know what I mean? It's so cool. The way it starts out with the, uh, the outsiders or the, the, yep. you know, <laughs> warriors. warriors. Yeah. In play. Yeah, bro. There's so, this is such a detailed song and the message is so strong the beat, I mean, fuck, dude. We get down every week, dude, when we make beats. They're always fucking cool. You know what I mean? Well, listen but to the way I the just, bass hits and the drums, like it comes in and hits fucking hard. And I think yeah, that's I think that's what climate change is doing. I think that's what we did here, <laughs> is we brought it hit hard like that motherfucking reality. <laughs> and before the song's over, it's too late. Just like climate fucking change, bro. It's like, oh, well, you should have listened to these guys because now we're fucked. <laughs> there's, a, there's a line on this song towards the end that you actually had me say like two or three times. I don't know if you remember, yeah. but it's right where it goes. It goes uh, in this fairy tale page of Hyde. We may be out. Yo, that's my side. We flip domes about face landslide. In crowd hide amongst the tribe. You love that shit where it says we flip domes about oh, yeah. face landslide. <laughs> oh yeah, bro. I like that, sh- dude. I oh man, holy shit. Sometimes, dude, like it's it, when we do this podcast and we're like recording it. Sometimes I'm like, dude, I want to listen to this song right now. This is one of those instances, Sean. I'm like, I want to just slap the shit in the car super loud. Well, this Fuck, this is an aggressive, aggressive song. Very, you know, and very aggressive. And dude, that whole Atlanta situation, kind of, you know per se not working out and then you having to come down come back and get right in to undercast and hit it bro it actually made you deliver it because you had a little bit of like you said earlier a little bit of anger behind it you know what i mean it fit the fucking vibe of the song 
very well, right, Sean? It's an aggressive record, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, and they were the in crowd, and I felt like an outsider down there, dude. It's like, oh, I'm not cool enough to fucking hang out with you guys and record here? Cool, dude. You're, you're going to fucking, dude, not fucking set up my headphone mix correctly? You know what? Now, you, I knew know? I was going into Atlanta, right? And I look, at, sure. I look at Atlanta like they are some of the best, and I really, I believe that to this day. Um, I don't know. Maybe they were just fucking with oh, me. Oh, dude, it's a hip hop or, haven, bro. Like the the chart topping hip hop records, Atlanta's probably, if it was by a per capita basis now, they have to be either number one by a landslide or somewhere very near to the top in terms of like the modern artists, dude, for rap. That That's like fucking, <laughs> but I, I it's did, like the rap capital of America I, I, right now. I did go in there smooth. Right. So yeah. Yeah. like I didn't call them when I set up this appointment. Right. My sister okay. called them. Right. My sister's a sister. She lives in Atlanta. Gotcha. You know, when you talk to her on the phone, she's obviously not white. Right. <laughs> right? Uh, she was the face that they, they saw first. Right. And I had her help me make that appointment because I wanted to go up in there without them knowing that this was going to be the whitest motherfucker that ever walked in <laughs> to 11th Street Studio. I glow in the goddamn dark. <laughs> you know, and I didn't want him to know. I didn't want him to know because I didn't want anything uh, to come off wrong. I wanted to get the best of right. the best kind of a thing. Right. You know, right. not to say it would be like that. I just didn't know. You know what I mean? You, yeah. You, dude, you're in a you're in a completely new environment, bro. You you're you're hanging you're visiting your sister. You hop you're like, you know what, man, let me I, I'm in Atlanta, bro. This place is fucking Rich with hip hop history, I'd like to lay a couple records down at a famous studio down there where Pac is recorded and like some legends, you know. Yeah, you know, bro, you're walking in, you're you're literally walking in there blindfolded. You know, what I mean, I was I actually in retrospect, even at the time, I thought I was fucking brave, Sean. I was like, dude, this dude, that's really fucking cool. You know, what I mean, dude, it I'm taking pictures with a plaque of Ludacris on the wall. I'm like, look at yeah, this, yeah, 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 look at this, Mul dude. Multi platinum diamond fucking rap albums. You know, what I mean. It's I just, I was impressed. I wish it would have. I wish it wasn't as like bad of a, a studio experience in terms of recording. Like I wish it would have worked out. But forever, we always know that outside we tried it. We tried to lay it in Atlanta. You yeah, know I mean? we tried. We we, we, we tried. weren't part of we the tried. end crowd, dude. We had to get back to the outside. We're outside, man. Outside, <laughs> we gets it live, bro. <laughs> outside, we gets it live. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that comedy helps us to look at how ridiculous reality can be in order to give attention to a mindset of progress affecting change. In the world we live in, though, kind of like being a guy on The Walking Dead telling jokes. You see, the problem with change and progress, and hopefully we get both. I mean, after all, the Nazis were a change especially for all the people getting shoved in an oven. Still, progress takes looking into the mirror. And as a country, we avoid mirrors like vampires and, well, Michael Jackson. In order to change, we would all need to admit that our political system has devolved from Daniel Boone fighting off a bear barehanded into some old fat guy at the party that brought all the cool drugs but somehow still can't get laid. Like a 
butter slug version of Steven Seagal wearing purple hot pants hanging out at a college party. <laughs> Dude, do that kick. Hey, hey, Brian, watch Grandpa Ponytail. Shit's <sighs> hysterical. Look, to illustrate our political unfuckability, I want to say, picture this. This is our political system. Steven Seagal, an overweight, aging, below-average actor sporting a ponytail elevated to fame by his ability to roundhouse five-foot Asians under 120 pounds, playing the role of knocked-the-fuck-out guy. Okay, it was entertaining in the 90s, but a lot of us were on ecstasy. Even the show Home Improvement was popular, which really tells you everything you need to know about where our heads were in the 90s. We tuned into anything using Pamela Anderson cleavage as a plot point. Hmm. And for some reason, we tend to think that people on the other side of the political aisle are dumbasses. I believe that most of us are fairly decent people when you get right down to it. By decent, I mean not too rapey. Even if we were trapped in an elevator all afternoon and I was wearing something tight. I also wouldn't worry about getting murdered by the average Joe in that elevator. Well, unless somebody brought up politics. Politics these days can turn violent as fast as religion ever did throughout history. Ironically, that both preaches equality for others and an overall idea of respect. Now, when I say both, I mean both political parties. No one really wants to be in an elevator with someone of another faith. But, just for the sake of argument, pretend you are in an elevator with Charles Manson, Jim Jones, and Steven Seagal. You have to listen to one of them, follow one of them around, and fuck one. What do you do? Me? I would listen to Manson. After all, he is entertaining as fuck. And considering what I'm about to go through in this elevator, I might need a good laugh. Then, I would follow around Jim Jones. I'd follow him right up to the Kool-Aid bar of brotherly love, drink a whole gallon of grape rape really fucking fast, and tell Seagal, give me ten minutes, then have at it, baby, while I'm still warm which is basically how I see politics. We pick some version of crazy, and then we just get fucked in the butt. Hmm. But does anybody really want to wake up naked next to Steven Seagal? Look, what we really want from our comedian is to forget the shit show for about two hours and giggle. And what the comedian is hoping for is that you've already taken your share of drugs before you came here. Tends to help with the jokes. Writing comedy for a society obsessed with political correctness is about as dangerous as telling small dick jokes in the men's locker room at Gold's Gym. Hey, Doughboy, I don't find your particular brand of humor very funny. Well, you wouldn't, now would you, grumpy Thumbelina? Here's a thought. If history is simply what we all agree happened in the past... How will future generations look back on U.S. politics now? Fuck, we can't even agree on what we're doing right fucking now as we do it. 
Even in the version that we see on the news, reality is up for grabs. It's like some pick-your-own-adventure reality show made for TV. But you know, in the face of global warming, can't we all just get on the same goddamn page? Just for a little while? Maybe? I am Curious G, and this has been Truth to Power. Thank you for joining in on this week's episode. The song coming up now, How That Feels. Hope you dig it. Ever wonder why I try? Breath falls shy, short, hellish mind. Something clung to truth and fell with time. Kinda just wanna work it right. Filthy like temptation bite. Too busy trying to live, ain't got the mind where how I should give. Survive? Hell yes, I lived in red, deep within them lines. Everything can switch, change, round the block, knocks the frame. Hell, son, I was but another mind. I did not recognize I, me, myself, and twisted will had me beneath a whip of a done deal. Hell yeah, I like how that there feels. Uh, hell yeah, like how that there feels. Uh, yeah, I like how that there feels. Don't ever tell me something isn't real. My wasting breath on some version fight back death That sweet tooth lit kind of talk Bitter truth twist gets bitter y'all Nourishes a burden Fall through a world like this A grocery bill when mom's got nine kids Ass out cereal in the bowl again If you ain't a burly worm to get out the box Before all of them You wanna eat? Best learn to win Hungry doubled up just sleeping in Belly rumbles, knuckles hunger Rock jaw breaker taken under Midnight rob deal steal Hell yeah, like how that there feels uh, Hell yeah, I like how that there feels Yeah, I like how that there feels Got that break your ass off type of meal A buttercup, wicked tongue, whips them rise Got that split, quick, sugar stick type of life Honey lip, huh, luscious kiss Don't this right here taste like this? Next level, smashing it Grip the mic, got the rhythm hit World tears apart at the seams But I know not seems like Ophelia when she ran Them wicked streets I clear my throat for every note Amplify, cook in high heat When I grip the mic, we may swing like some flirt suicide type of speed uh, Tain a mic, grips right the way darkness often do Lose all indecision on the mic, heart opens truth uh, Do you like how this shit feel? Do you like how this mic feel? Do you like that drop down deal? Uh, get your weight up from gravity, uh, right into real uh, Hit him up with that bass snatch heart feel Fake ass feast where everyone believes way free Stomach rumble, my focus kid I want some type of connect where we all get lift Where we fix our cribs on progress quick Before empty words they silence sick uh. Scar City This Scar City Scar City uh. This Scar City Shit man, divide
all I've ever known. United was how long ago?